Hi, welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, I'm very pleased to be talking with Brian Travis, who is MDOT's project manager on its second flex route project. Uh, this is historic, really, because the department launched its first just a few years ago on US 23 between Ann Arbor and Brighton. And this one would be on I-96 in an area east of Brighton that is heavily congested, heavily traveled. And while we've got projects going on all over the state that are gonna benefit people in terms of smoother pavement and you know uh, an easier ride, um, there aren't very many where you can actually promise something that really improves your quality of life, uh, easing your commute, uh, the flow of, of goods and services, and that's why the flex route is is really exciting. So, Brian, thanks for being here. And can you explain what a flex route is? Sure, Jeff. Thanks for having me on today. Um, so, the flex route uh, has been around for a few years now. We have one, like you mentioned, on US 23, and really, it's intended to utilize uh, our existing infrastructure to help alleviate congestion, to uh, make motorist travel time more reliable and to improve safety. So I think that's what this project will accomplish. Um, like you mentioned, this is a very heavily traveled corridor, uh, 96 between 275 and Kent Lake Road. Uh, you know, extrapolate that out a little bit further. That's a lot of Detroit and Lansing traffic that travels this every day. So we see directional rush hour uh, eastbound in the morning, westbound in the afternoon. And rather than, you know, expanding the footprint of the road, adding an extra lane full time, we are able to utilize the wide shoulder that we have there currently um, and install the flex route, which we, we really don't need the extra capacity 24 hours a day. It's really just during those peak periods. So that's what this flex route will accomplish. It'll give motorists that fourth lane. Um, most days in the morning, it'll give us that extra lane. Uh, in the afternoon, it'll be going westbound. Uh, that that extra lane will be there. And then we can also use it during special events. Um, if there's an incident on the freeway or if traffic is just traveling at a slower than normal pace due to something going going on downstream, that extra lane can be opened. So I think it is a very good fix for the problem that we see in that area currently. So one of the questions we get most often about the US 23 flex route is why it's allowed to be used certain hours, but not all the time. You know, people think, well, geez, it's there. You know, it just looks like an empty lane. And the Federal Highway Administration has some specific guidelines and reasons why they grant uh, permission to do this on a limited basis. Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, so there are certain design requirements that and a lane has to meet. Um, oftentimes with these flex routes, we are not able to meet all those, like having the proper shoulder width there against the median barrier wall. So this works uh, in a temporary condition used only part of the day. Uh, whereas if we had to meet all the correct design requirements that would require, you know, expansion of that footprint, which is a lot more difficult than it sounds. Uh, there's a lot of number one extra cost when you have extra pavement. Um, there's also environmental impacts that we have to consider um, tight right away limits on the outsides of the roadway. And then some of the bridges even have to get widened uh, because you can't fit a full-time extra lane under those without doing so. So there's uh, a handful of design requirements to consider uh, to 
to have a lane in operation 24 hours a day that couldn't be met in this location, but having a flex route solves that problem. Well, and the good thing was that we had some structural advantages already in place in terms of the shoulder width and, and some of the bridges on that corridor, right? Yeah, so for the most part, this is uh, a very wide corridor. You, you had that uh, median lane through there uh, most of the way. So the, the pavement really is already there. Um, it's just the fine details, the fine design details that really couldn't be met for the whole corridor. So um, this was really the most cost-effective uh, solution for it. And one of the advantages you know, obviously, people who think that we're too uh, dependent on the automobile and we should be encouraging, you know, more multimodal transportation is that uh, this doesn't have the environmental clearance and nearly the disruption um, environmentally that it would if you had to build a lane and do all the things involved in that. And if it turns out that, you know, people really are driving less and future generations are are either using, you know, automated vehicles that can, uh, you know, use less capacity because of their more efficient operation or because they're using other modes of transportation, then you, this can go back to being a shoulder, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the complaints about, you know, progress and expansion is that, like you just said, you have to expand the footprint or carve a new road out where there used to be uh, a farm field or something. So, you know, the less of that we can do, the better. Um, so again, just taking advantage of the existing roadway that we have there. Um, only now we're going to have a smooth, safe driving surface uh, and alleviate congestion while we're at it. And like you said, if, if for some reason traffic volumes dip in the future and people are driving less, it can always go back to being a shoulder. And it's probably no surprise that uh, the first two candidates for these US-23 um, and I-96, both feeding in and out of Livingston County, which has been one of the fastest growing counties in the state for many years, um, that, 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 you know, this this is important to easing that that congestion and, and making for a safer commute. So can you talk a little bit about where things stand with 96, how progress is going and, you know, whether you feel like you're on target? Sure. So we started uh, late March of this year <clears throat> and it is a three-year project. So starts uh here in 2022 and it will be complete and open to traffic by the end of 2024 so we are on year one of three um right now we are rebuilding the eastbound pavement from kent lake road to wixom uh and all the traffic is over on the westbound side and then we're also doing some median work between wixom and i-275 so really the whole corridor is under construction all 12 miles uh we are on schedule the first couple months out here were uh preparation for this stage of work so we did a lot of temporary uh widening of the westbound shoulder we did some pavement repairs on westbound we built temporary crossovers in the median and that was all to prepare for this stage of traffic for switching eastbound onto the existing westbound lanes uh so now if if you've driven past there you've probably seen uh a lot more activity over there on the, the very west end heading east so we've opened up a lot of the pavement there um, where we've started to install sewer, some culverts. Uh, we built the, the sub base, so the sand that you see out there. And now we're starting to place uh, aggregate stone there. And that's the material that we'll pave on top of. And it's concrete pavement. Um, we're still probably at least a few weeks out uh, from concrete paving. 
but the the whole train is starting to move down down the road now. So uh, making some good progress, and we've got a lot of work ahead of us. It's uh, early July now, and we'll be open to traffic uh, in the late late fall of this year. So we'll put traffic back on their original bounds, um, and then hit it hard again starting next spring. So when the traffic goes back, I guess just to understand the timeline, you don't mean that it'll go back in the fall with that added capacity. That still comes later, right? Correct, and I'm glad you asked that question. The flex route, the added lane, will not be in use until the end of 2024 uh, when the project is complete. So some of that infrastructure may start going in, uh, some of the overhead gantries uh, and things like that, but that will not be operational right away. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. No, before you go, head on over to MyDrive to check out the latest on road construction and possible delays along your route. For a detailed map, head over to michigan.gov drive. So a lot of road and bridge projects um, involve, you know, some short-term inconvenience for some long-term benefits. This one more so than most uh, in that you're really talking about making a, a, a huge difference down the road. What are you hearing from the community leaders, you know, the people in the corridor that you interact with and that uh, you and your staff get questions from about this? Are, are they mostly understanding of of what it's going to mean in the future and, and understanding that you just got to bite the bullet, but you'll you'll be better off on the on the other side. Yeah, from what I've seen, we've had a really positive response from the local community. Um, I don't think anyone uh, wants a three year project out there. We understand how impactful it is, but we did a lot of outreach you know, over the last few years uh, during the design process of the project. So the, the local leaders knew it was coming. Um, so they've done what they can do to prepare uh, you know, the motoring public, again, no one likes to have to drive through a work zone. You know, we'll, we'll take calls and emails um, and make adjustments as we can and, and try to listen to the public. If something's not working out there, we'll make adjustments. But for the most part, you know, everyone is understanding and they can see the work happening, you know. So when we have ramps closed, we have lanes closed. Obviously, it's for a reason. So, so I think... Most are understanding. I, th I think obviously we'll be ready. The community will be ready for it to be open and in, in use um, by the end of 24. Uh, but you know, we're we're really doing what we can to maintain mobility um, and keep everyone informed. We have a project website www.drivingoakland.com that anyone can go to and find the latest for lane closures. Uh, we have a 24/7 uh, phone hotline that people can call and get, you know, it'll be answered at most hours of the day. If not, they'll call you back first thing in the morning. So a lot of good outreach, a lot of good resources for people to uh, reach out to us with questions. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the website. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. Um, I know Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist was out there just a couple of weeks ago. He loves uh, infrastructure, loves transportation. The engineer in him um, makes him very curious about these things. And uh, I'm, I'm sure he asked some good questions. Can you talk a little bit about what your conversation was like with him? Sure. Yeah. No. And it's it was it was nice to meet him out there. Um, he was very interested in what was going on. So wanted to, you know, similar similarly as you're asking, wanted to know about the flex route, how that works, um, how that's going to affect the area and, and traffic, and also about you know the progress of the job, the schedule. Um, 
you know, the, the workforce, you know, who's out here working for you, the contractor wise, um, you know, what kind of equipment is out here. So very interested in, in, in seeing, uh, the rebuild, the rebuilding Michigan program up and running and, uh, you know, seeing how it impacts the, the local community here. So you, um, you know, this is an innovation in and of itself, the flex route. Like I said, you know, it's only the, the second one of these in Michigan. But within this larger innovative project, what kinds of innovations are are you putting to work, or is the I should say the contractors putting to work? And you know, what have you learned along the way? Sure. So I mean, these are these are large projects, um, and they're tight schedules, large projects. There's a lot of material that's getting moved in and out, a lot of equipment, a lot of trucks, and so anytime a contractor can streamline that process or make things more efficient, they will. Um, so just seeing a little bit of that, you know, we have a concrete batch plant, for instance, that's at Milford Road in I-96, um, and that's, you know, set up by the contractor. They elect to put that there because it makes trucking material in and out much easier, saves them time. They are also crushing some of the existing concrete pavement, and that will be reused as the base uh, that they pave on. So again, you know, they're taking advantage of what's there. And, and making use of that and just trying to, again, the, the less less times you have to move material, the less trucks you have to bring in and out, uh, the better, the more efficient they'll be. So that that's kind of some of the efficiencies we've seen. Um, other than that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work ahead of us and it's just getting uh, people and equipment dedicated to it day in and day out. To put this in context, uh, um... Remind me of the the total cost and where does this fit in versus other projects you've supervised? Uh, this job costs two hundred and sixty nine million. Um, this is, and this is one of a handful in our region that are in this ballpark for the dollar amount, which is larger than uh, any job I've worked on in my career. And I think even as recent as about seven years ago, we had a project around $150 million, and that was at the time the largest project that MDOT had ever delivered. So uh, this is above and beyond that. Uh, it's something that we are excited about. I think the industry is excited about, and this is thanks to the rebuilding Michigan funding that we have. Uh, and I think it's long overdue. I think um, we've been, you know, we, we've been underfunded. We've had projects that have needed to get done in this region and then state for a long time. So it's it's refreshing to see it happening. Yeah, well said. And uh, the the director, Paul Adjiba himself, is a huge fan of this. He was a region engineer in the university region that includes the US-23 corridor and was able to push for and, and see to fruition the, the first flex route. And so he's excited about that. In fact, um, we're going to take a second and listen to something he said about that when we produced a video a few years back to to celebrate that opening. I, I think US 23 corridor is the perfect place to, to try this innovation. It's directional traffic where in the morning people going into an arbor, southbound is congested, and northbound there's a lot of capacity. And then in the evening, people coming out of an arbor it's congested and southbound has capacity. So if you really look at it that way, you don't really need 
a permanent third lane there for 24-7 hour traffic that's really not there. It's mostly AM peak hour and PM peak hour traffic. So uh, looking forward, what do you think uh, happens to that corridor from here? Do you see this uh, possibly being being extended, you know, either way in, in future years? Or um, will this pro- probably be the, the only flex route on that segment for a while? Well, I think uh, it, it would make sense to connect the US-23 flex route to this one on 96. Uh, I believe that is the goal here eventually. I don't know uh, the, you know, the timing for that. Uh, obviously, all depends on on funding, but I, I think that would that would make this even more effective. Uh, to, to anytime you can you can connect pieces of the roadway, the better, uh, because as it currently stands, you know this extra lane will have to terminate somewhere. But down the road, if this can continue on to US 23, make its way down to the flex route that's in use now, I believe actually. Uh, there are plans currently uh, in the projects being designed to extend the flex route that's already on 23 up towards 96. So uh, it's I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, we hear that a lot from people that are that commute regularly between, you know, Livingston County and Ann Arbor, and they say they really like it, but they wish it could go all the way to 96. So extending 23 to 96 would would be a I think be well well received by a lot of people. So, Brian, sure. thanks again for taking time to talk about this. Is uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, I guess. Maybe, uh, I guess, always well thought out plug for, you know, driving through the work zone uh, with great attentiveness and an eye toward the workers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Again, I'm glad you said that because I can never stress that enough. Please, if you're driving through the work zone, be alert, understand that there is active work going on and traffic conditions can change very quickly. Traffic might be stopped ahead of you. So please keep your eyes on the road, pay attention to all the signage because um, it's there for a reason. So, Yeah, yeah, well said. Okay, well, thank you again and good luck. All right, thanks for having me, Jeff. Take care. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.